All right, well, I guess we'll start, guys. Welcome to the Church Mag Podcast. Today we're talking about what the church can learn from Google. We'll have five questions with Phil Schneider and more. This is Eric Dye along with Jeremy Smith and Phil Schneider. Google Plus has released a completely new redesign. Phil, Google Plus has a new face. That's what I heard. I uh, I wasn't really familiar with the old face very much. So, like, as we're talking, I'm scrolling the new face right now. And I got to say... I kind of like it. You kind of like it. This is, but this is like your first view, Jeremy. You, unlike Phil, are actually on Google Plus. Now, hopefully, people didn't stop listening right when they heard Phil wasn't on Google Plus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, w- what do you think of Google, of the new look of Google Plus? Um, I know for me, it's a little Pinteresty, and people say this all the time. But for me, the Pinterest side of things. Um, it's great for Pinterest because there's a lot of images. Now, that's interesting that you would say that it looks like Pinterest because somebody asked me on Google+, and they will remain nameless. <laughs> they asked me, what do you think of the new look, Eric? And I said, well, it's it's uh, a little a little Pinterest. Man's Pinterest. It's the man's Pinterest, right? But I think that if it's all text, that that's the worst idea ever. And if they start integrating images and make it look like Pinterest, that's probably a little better. So I think that um, just the way Google's trying to approach it from a search perspective and trying to get their, as they call them, cards. Each one of those little boxes is their cards and trying to get information out there. I think that eventually the writers will learn how to use this stuff. Um, I think right now, though, it's kind of overwhelming if you just scroll and scroll and scroll. And plus, people hate change. And so I know a lot of people are bagging on it just because it's something different. Yeah, well, what I noticed as far as the change goes is that it seemed like the change was much more radical than any Facebook change that has ever occurred in the past. Because I I use Google Plus every day. I go on there, and right away with the new design, I was a little bit initially lost trying to figure out, okay, now where did everything go? And then it does seem to be a little bit more mobile. But, you know, we might say it looks a lot like Pinterest, but if you change the view and go to a stream view, it reminds me a little bit more of like a Tumblr feel where you kind of have... you know, one, one long row of, of posts. Sure. Yeah. And you have to, I think that a lot of people look at Google plus and they're like, wow, this is interesting. And then they leave it because they don't understand the full scope of it. Cause Google is not like any other social network in the fact that they care about the social network aspect of it. They want to have a social network that's integrated fully with everything else that they do. So if you think about Google's Google plus, you have to think about everything else that's going on, like Google glass like this is perfectly set up so that someone on Google Glass can use it. So you think that that's our big picture is how does this integrate with Google Glass? Well, I think that that's a little piece of it, but then you also have to think about how does this integrate with YouTube and how does this integrate with Gmail and all these other things that some of this these style features that they've implemented yes look differently, but then it's going to set itself up amazingly for all these other different devices. And so there, I, I really feel like we're not thinking long-term and Google is. Right. Now, I, I think that Google Glass is going to eventually be a, a fail. It's going to be their Apple Newton is what it's going to be. Um, Phil, what, what do you think is going to happen with Google Glass? I, I think Google Glass is going to end up being, more rather than failing, um, for lack of technology or design, it's going to end up failing because socially people aren't going to stand for it. Um, I think it's good. that's where it's going to fail. Technology sounds awesome. Who has not wanted to have Terminator vision, you know? Um, even the Terminator movies, the, the, the grid display over his eyes. Who's not wanted to have that, you know, technology as a little kid? I, I have not, personally, Phil. I have Jeez. never wanted to have 
Terminator, no. I X-ray vision, yes. Terminator, no. Oh come on! He could he could <laughs> auto lock on stuff and analyze it, whatever. But I do agree with Jeremy. I think they're streamlining everything to work with everything. Um, they're thinking really fourth dimensionally on this one. If I can throw out a phrase. I, they're trying to plan ahead for the next wave of technology. I don't think Google Glass is going to be it because it won't fit in socially with our. Maybe maybe it will. Maybe we'll have a serious social revolution in the next you know three years, which is totally possible. And Google Google Glass will fit right into that. But I think socially it won't fit in. And but they're they're getting all of their services, all their content prepped for the next wave. Well, no matter how you cut it, Google Plus and the technology around it uh, seems to be pretty pretty helpful as far as getting people to connect. And it is a great alternative to Facebook. And I know a lot of churches have been able to use it uh, as far as hangouts, you know, connecting with missionaries or having offsite meetings. A lot of, a lot of uh, business startups will have meetings on Google Hangouts because it's so, it's so quick and easy. And, you know, anything's better than Skype, obviously, as, as we use Google Hangout right now. I think also, though, that um, we, if we're talking about understanding what Google wants to do, I don't think that they necessarily care about the cool factor. And so they're okay with at least this first iteration of Google Glass to fail design-wise because right now it's still considered in beta. And so all these developers that they have, they're considered test people and they know that. Um, So as they move forward with this, if they actually want to make this a design, I'm sure that they're going to focus on trying to make it look a little less awkward. But I've seen, I mean, I've seen this Google Glass in use I haven't actually been able to put it on, but I've seen other people with it on in, in live person. And they say that it's awesome just to be able to see some of the possibilities with this. And I don't know if it's necessarily going to change the world, but I think that we can also recognize that um, the advancements that it could have with, inf- and, and this is how Google sees it, is with information and trying to make things easier. I think that that's a huge possibility. Now, I think there's also a possibility for terrible things to come out of this like facial recognition and creepiness and stuff like that too right it could also be an interesting tool for you know possibly law enforcement and stuff like that i'd be interested to see some of the practical uses of google glass instead of these kind of you know hey i'm skydiving and you can skydive to me with this cool cam and these kind of sci-fi fantasy ideas of how we use tech you know there's the fantasy ways of using technology that is often talked talked about and then there's the actual real life application of using technology i mean look at look at the iphone and all of its capabilities and the number one one thing people do with it is play Angry Birds. Oh, I'm sorry, real quick. Let's go back. Are you saying that Terminator Vision is not real world possible? <laughs> because I'm sorry, agree to disagree on that one. There. Fine, fine, <laughs> fine, fine, fine. I mean, I'm being a bit, I'm being a bit, a bit dumb about it, but it's. I think you're right. I think that that what's this great line from a TV show that we have all this technology and we use it to, to save the princess and beat King Koopa. You know, it's exactly it's the same mentality. And I think Google is is either going to give us a great new tool for the future or a great new time waster. All right. For every Church Mag podcast, we're going to ask some questions of a Church Mag author. And since this is our first podcast, I figured we would just ask one of you guys. And so, Phil, you are the Church Mag podcast guinea pig. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, neither can we. So excited. All right. So we're going to ask you five questions. So no pressure. All right? Sounds good. All right. First question. This is a toughie. 
Where are you from? Um, I was born and raised in Illinois. I currently live there now in a small town. I'll go and call it. It's Bethalto, Illinois. Only place in the world named Bethalto. Bethalto? It's it's like Beth, B-E-T-H-A-L-T-O. All one word, Bethalto. That's an incredible place to be from. So, Phil, what are you like when the cape comes off? Uh, so, like, my day job, um, I teach Spanish full-time at the middle school in my town. Uh, it's my first year teaching there. I taught six years prior to that in uh, East St. Louis, which is uh, inner city, about 40 minutes from where I live. Um, beyond that, I'm also a, um, a part-time uh, youth pastor at my church. Phil, what got you interested in technology? You know, I think that might have to be um, TV, cartoons, man. Inspector Gadget was a, was huge. Yes, a fellow Inspector Gadget fan. Not to uh, move the spotlight off of you, Phil, but <laughs> Jeremy, did you watch Inspector Gadget? I, I totally watched it. I don't know if I was overly a fan except for the laughs and giggles and i much preferred gi joe and transformers but i mean inspector gadget was cool. no no, no. Yeah. it was it had to compete with ninja turtles so it didn't necessarily win out all I, the time. I i feel you i got you on that one um but, uh, realistically also um my kindergarten um was an all-day kindergarten which was torture and <laughs> we would go like once every other week to a neighbor school and use their computer lab so at five years old, I was in a computer lab doing different stuff with the computers. We were, pl- we were using word processors and, rec- and recording ourselves and playing computer games. Um, and then just that, I like, this is awesome. These machines control the world. And I mean, that was 1990. So you can imagine what kind of computers we were using. But that got me excited. So, Phil, what is the best video game of all time for you? Okay. Um, best video game. I'm gonna date myself a little bit because I've not been an extreme game player since I got married because I got other things to do now. Okay, just a second, just a second, Phil. It's okay. You're amongst friends. We're all dated. Just tell us what you see and think is the best video game of all time. Also, realize your wife's probably not gonna listen to this, so you can spill a little bit. Oh no, trust me. Well, we, we have one TV, so if I play games, she's watching me play games. But uh, no, best video game of all time, Goldeneye on the Nintendo 64. However. It does not hold up. If you go back and play it now, it will not hold up. That's why I don't play it anymore. It was just, it was good. It was good, and I'll, I'll leave it in the path. Definitely, definitely. Definite classic, Phil. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll let you keep writing, because you answered that one well. I passed the tip. All right. Favorite app? Favorite app right now. Um, probably, like right now, probably Evernote. I, must lo- I love it. Just makes writing so much easier. Everyone's heard this before, but I, and I, and those, one of those facts you hear and you forget. But I was listening to an interview with one of the guys from Google, and they were, you know, reminded everyone uh, that at Google, all of their engineers are given are required to spend twenty percent of their time imagining new stuff or learning about things that actually interest them. Twenty percent of their time is just spent doing what they want to do. Um, and the, with the idea being that will generate more creativity and more benefit for Google. And obviously, by, by looking at, at what Google's been doing and the, the Google Glass revolution, possibly, it makes you wonder if those kind of technologies are birthed from that 20%. I, I personally love the implications of what this means for not only business, but the church. And how amazing could it be if we had a tech team? And I love talking about tech teams within the church 
of what happens if we had let the tech team just dream a little bit. And I know that they're not all paid and I know that they're not um, all have the time to do this, but what happens if we had a culture within the church that was a little like Google in the sense that um, even if they're all volunteers and you're the only paid staff or you're not even paid staff yourself, but you are allowed to just dream a little bit. And that could be as simple as changing the, the presentation from just a static picture to a visual um, motion background. That would be amazing. But what happens if we were able to take it a step further and, and the tech team that works with the youth group decided, you know what, um, we want to get the latest Xbox and the latest Xbox that comes with it might have a Luma room, which turns your entire experience into something more than just a TV screen and a video game. And then you could play Dance Dance Revolution and all of a sudden your youth group just explodes because people want to play this. Jeremy, do you play Dance Dance Revolution? You know what? I do a little bit. That's what the way I exercise in the winter because here in Colorado, it's terrible. I want to see a video of that. <laughs> no. And, and, and I think it would be amazing because you can turn this entire experience into something that's more than what it is and allow for the gospel to seep into this. But it's all happening because people are allowing themselves to dream a little bit. And I think that the church with technology is more about can you sell this product to the church so that you can use it instead of let's dream things up. Right. What's interesting about Phil's idea when he brought this up is that he didn't just keep it to the avenue of church tech. He even opened it a little bit wider, uh, including pastors and, and leaders, you know, to be able to to do that as well, which is a really interesting concept. I feel like the church is finding new ways to disseminate content through podcasts and blogs and whatnot, but I feel like the content is getting stagnant. Does that make sense? What are you saying about this podcast, Phil? Is this, nah. is this, this, I don't know. I don't think it's stagnant as it's the first one. We are a fresh flowing stream of information and fun. Now, what I'm talking about, like, I, I, let me clarify this. I'm not looking for some sort of controversial new theology of God, McLaren, Rob Bell kind of thing here. And I'm not trying to diss those guys, whatever. Uh, but I, I feel like we, the way we communicate, our, our church talking points. Does that make sense? There are a lot of great thinkers out there who are doing a lot of great work, and then pastors just kind of more or less borrow on their work. But um, I wrote a blog post a while back, and, I, and God bless me, I can't remember who wrote it. But every pastor, in a sense, needs to be a theologian and needs to be aware of what his people need, his well or her people need to learn. And if they're given time to dream and to learn and to research, they can deliver that content. They can, they can look at look in the gospel for not necessarily a new message, but a new way to communicate the old message. It's interesting you talked about re-preaching or teaching someone else's theology, which I think the importance of people being experts is is a very valuable thing. And if you're not an expert, find somebody who is. So um, I kind of agree with that and disagree with that. But at the same time, I can't help but wonder if those pastors that are having the time to write the books and do these other things, if they are already in that zone of being able to spend that 20% of their time working on their own their own thing, you know? Oh, totally. It has to be what it is. I, I completely agree with you. And, and what happens when this, this then evolves and turns into someone being able to start up, you know, a, a new ministry or a new outreach and moving on those new ideas? Well, and I think that you can not only expand the way you do ministry, but you give it a new life. Mm -hmm. um, I think that you can start reaching people that 
if you are passionate, if you're called by God, if you are actually investing in yourself as well as others, that eventually that will catch up with you and God will be driving everything that you're doing. And eventually you'll push something. And I know myself just what three years ago I was trying to figure out how can I use WordPress in my ministry? And that was the weirdest thing in the world. And I do youth ministry on a military base. And I found this kid that loved computer stuff and was having a hard time with his parents. And all of a sudden I was able to sit down with him at McDonald's and teach him how to do programming. And so for an hour, every single week for almost 20 weeks, we made, we developed this WordPress plugin and it was just a unique way to do discipleship in a different way. And I was able to talk to him about his family. I was able to talk to him about who Jesus was. Did it lead anywhere? I don't know. We're still in that process. But at the same time, I was able to not only be inventive, but to try to think outside the box and even to use some of the talents I have. That's awesome, Jeremy. That's awesome. That's a great example of, of using technology as a tool opposed to being a tool of technology. There you go. Great. All right, let's talk a little church mag. Your favorite recent church mag post, Phil. Let's uh, no, Jeremy. Let's start with you. Let's start with somebody. Somebody go. <laughs> I'll go. So I love Star Wars, and I love the fact that we have the May the Fourth be with you. And so I think Church Mag just captured that well on uh, Star Wars Day. And so I personally would highlight. I know that this is a little less than. Um, religious but pat oswald's uh star wars filibuster has amazing amazingness throughout the whole thing because he's doing it off the cuff he's doing it from his own geekiness he is um simply trying to push this idea of i want to do something amazing in star wars but at the same time on set everything is kind of at a whim and you can tell that by the end of it and he has some other stuff he talks about with it so i just love the Star Wars uh, filibuster, and then Phil, you took that and had a great conversation with it as well. So I would definitely check out that. Yeah, that was an awesome video. Yeah, that, you're, you had an awesome post. You spun that well, my friend. I spun a lot of things well. Ask my students at school. We'll, 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 <laughs> uh, off topic, but we had to have a 10 minute conversation last week about why National Treasure 2 was physically impossible. <laughs> I, I spun that and it came out and the kids like I learned something today like I bet you did I'm so proud of you right now <laughs> my I like my favorite post and this is again not really spiritual but it's 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 a great post okay 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 there's <laughs> it doesn't have to be spiritual right okay you know what I mean right. we do recognize that that's the interesting thing about church tech is there's always a spiritual angle when talking about technology which they seem as though they're opposites but they're they're all tangled together but if anyone reads church mag you know that we're not just just that that's true um, I, I love the post you did on uh, Eric on the things come apart that tear down manual oh yeah that's pretty cool that the imagery was just amazing um, and and you could get uh, I started writing as a poet um, I won't and uh, I'm not very good but I don't see how you could how anyone could look at those images and just not like want to sit down with a notebook and start writing something because especially the, the typewriter one that's just absolutely amazing yeah who hasn't well, I shouldn't say that. There's probably plenty of people who haven't. But when I was a kid, I took things apart. I'm sure there's fellow geeks and nerds out there like myself that when they were a kid, they got to take things completely apart. And that's what that book is. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. 
I think that there's some sacred things that you just don't take apart that you have. And then there's some things that you're like, I want to explore what that is. And so, yeah, like I never took my Nintendo apart. Never. Yeah. Oh, so no. I think those teardowns show that you can actually take everything apart and here's what's inside of it. And that's really cool. Yeah, I also loved uh, Jeremy's post on the creative advertising, the only for only for children campaign. Yeah. The, oh yeah, that was really that cool. I loved it. Oh, when I super it. cool. It takes a different approach to something that you would never. I mean, you would think about the implications of something. And so, for those that haven't seen it, go check the video out. But it's it's ad, how do you advertise to a child that's being abused when their abuser is probably holding their hand as they walk down the street? Yeah. And so they just take a fresh approach. That's I mean. I'm getting chills as I'm talking about it. And I'm, I'm one of those people that fights and advocates for child, child abusers to get out of the home or to seek help. And that's like the best way to be able to advertise to those kids specifically. Yeah. This is technology saving the day. You right. know, this, is, this is the kind of technology that church should be on the forefront of finding ways to use technology to fix real world problems yeah and i think that it's real world problems that aren't necessarily as eric said overly spiritual but have such a christian implication that why in the world are we not there and i think that we need to be there my favorite recent post was yours phil and now this is just sounding like some sort of uh pat all of us on the back session but (laughs) i've really enjoyed the science and technology and biblical reality series that you've been doing with the doctor who episodes and in fact the last one that you did when i watched that doctor who episode i was like phil it phil has to write about this there's no way phil can't write about this because the whole time i'm watching it i'm seeing all these different things (laughs) and you know science fiction is such a powerful way to talk about things indirectly oh, yeah. and so you're you, you taking something like doctor who and, and applying biblical realities to it is really cool and i believe it is probably the highest form of church mag geekery possible <laughs> and so therefore it is awesome now i will push back and say i have not read a single one of those and it's not because i hate you phil it's <laughs> that's, that's, that's secondary though isn't it no, no, it's not at all, because I am a cord cutter, and so I don't have access to Doctor Who right now, and stupid Netflix is not updated, and so I'm like, should I read it because it's great content? And oh, no, don't read it. No, no, no. No, 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 don't read it. No, no. Jeremy, whatever you Spoilers, do. I can't do it. So exactly. I will go back and I will read them, but not now. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> here's the thing with those posts. It's... It's why it's one my wife won't watch TV with me or watch movies with me. I I can't watch it without seeing stuff in there. Like, wait, this is like it's like they're telling us this here, and I maybe it's um, the conspiracy theory part of my brain, which think it's a little overactive. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm what are they trying to tell me when they when they show the scene or <laughs> what are they communicating to me? But it's just it's how my brain's always worked. It's why I'm a great youth pastor because I can show clips from the Matrix and be like, guys, this is all about this. You, you know what? I have this mentality that I love to watch movies and youth ministry has kind of jaded me kind of like you feel. I wish I could go back and not watch it. And as you guys know, I'm going to be leaving youth ministry, direct youth ministry here in a month and a half. That'll be interesting on how I consume stuff because I've always been consuming it for the sake of how am I going to use this in ministry? And so watching videos and even the, even that, advertisement on child abuse, I would have used it in some kind of leadership training. And I feel like I'm going to have to slowly detox from this 
Mm. So that would be an interesting process too. You're not going to blog less, are you? No, no, but I will, I will have to. So we have it on record, Phil. Okay. He's yeah. not going to blog yeah. less. And well, you know, I also have to figure out how to blog all my detoxing as well. So that's going to happen. Yeah, so I look forward to those posts. How to, trans- how to transition. That's fantastic. I would imagine that the detox posts are going to be all in caps lock. <laughs> yeah. I can't do it, guys. I need to go back to youth ministry. Just one more hit. Well, you know, like before I got in, before I got into youth, I was a uh, I was the sound guy at our church. I did it for like ten years, and I had a detox from that. I couldn't sit in a worship service and be like, "Man, the guitar is not right. What? Turn that up. Turn this." I, I, I had to spend like a year lear, lear, forgetting how to listen for the sound, so I could get back to worshiping and being in the service and enjoying it. Yeah. So it's. It's a process. Even the simplest thing you've you've trained. This is I always go back to the uh, the Garden of the City because it's a great book. But technology trains your brain to do certain things, and you've trained your brain to operate as a youth minister and not to retrain it. No, it's true. There, there's a couple blogs that I used to post for that were you know specific niche topics, and to this day, whenever I see something regarding to that niche or topic, I have this impulse to clip it. To write about it. Well, I, I have one more post I want to highlight. It's okay. I got one more. Yo, one more post? Yeah. I on. mean, come on. It's I said one each, crazy. and you're like crazy. The Internet Explorer joke you posted a few days ago was hilarious. Okay that that is that is another fine example, Phil, of the blogging phenomenon, and that is it was late at night. I was behind. I had lost a day. I had been sick the day before. I felt awful, and I'm like need. To write one more <laughs> post, and so I, I just threw that together. Earlier, you know, I'd probably pounded out something much longer that I put a lot of thought into that hardly had any page views. But this one, you're right, it went crazy. Where, where did you get that image? How to tell HTML, HTML, HTML5? I don't source it. Uh, uh, oh wait, uh, if I didn't source it, then shame on me. I don't think he sourced it. No, maybe the. No, nope. well, I in the source. Yeah, hey, it was late. You were tired. You can source. You can update. It. <laughs> but it's uh, oh, I know, Phil. I know where I got it. I got it on the internet. <laughs> there you go. Your source. I, I have. Let me back up on that. You joke about that, but when I uh, do, my kids do reports in school. They're told to include a link from their their source because we have we all have laptops, and they've been told that pasting the this pasting google.com is their source is acceptable like that's not a source it's an aggregate of sources isn't okay wait a minute if you cite google.com as your source aren't you essentially citing the entire internet yeah. exactly exactly you might as well cite earth the milky way and call it a day done <laughs> all right well that does it for the first church bag podcast guys we're gonna have to do this again Phil, no, yeah. hold on. What? All right. Okay. Yes. Okay, I'll be editing that. Welcome to the first church pod. Uh, church pod? Now I feel all weird and stuff. Not as weird as we feel. This is a Judge Mad Production.